kia ora everybody. Uh, welcome to Blueprint this evening. Um, I'm Rose. Um, today I ate some delicious leftovers from the progressive dinner um, from last night, which was so great. Leftovers, that's another thing to be grateful for. Um, yeah, so tonight is kind of like the unplanned um, third series in like the last two weeks that Danian has been sharing. Um, <laughs> we didn't really like plan on this, but um, I think this question of um, like um, what is the good news today and like how do we really take hold of believing that has really been sitting with me and um, the idea of love is something that's like really kind of come out um, in the last little while for me around this. And so, um, yeah, Dan um, two weeks ago brought um, a thing around uh, our hope being in what Jesus has done and what Jesus promises to do. And that we, um, the gospel good news is that we have hope even in the midst um, of like hopelessness. And then last week he brought um, this, this talk around um, how another like beautiful reality of gospel good news is that we can receive grace um, and then we can channel grace in the world because of what God has done and because what God is doing. And so, um, yeah, over, over those couple of weeks and um, I guess like probably partially to do with some of the things I've been reading for study, um, I've just been really like moved by um, how God calls us to love and how beautiful and what good news love is in the world and how also there's this beautiful thing that when God calls us to love, God doesn't just call us to love in a kind of um, stoic, like rigid way or in a really like shallow kind of um, or like love you kind of way, um, but like there's depth in the love God calls us to. And the way that God enables us to do that is God also gives us lament, God gives us grief and the chance to um, express our feelings and to express um, our hurt when we experience not love, um, when we experience hate um, or we ourselves um, kind of like participate in hate. God gives us lament and God also gives us letting go. God gives us this mechanism of forgiveness that we ourselves can participate in receiving God's forgiveness that when um, yeah when we're not living in love um, God gives us forgiveness um, and that like comes to us and then also can be between us and that I think that um, yeah I feel like I've just kind of realized in in the last wee while that sometimes uh, we might talk about like someone might preach a sermon and like we're talking about love and then someone might preach a sermon and talk about like um, I guess like spiritual and emotional health and how we journey with grief and then someone might preach a sermon about forgiveness as if those things are separate and tonight I want to bring that the good news is that those three things are interwoven and the I guess imagery I want to give for that um, and you guys are going to be shocked at this the metaphor get ready compost so <laughs> who here has composted or is familiar with a compost? Quite a lot of people. You guys are going to be with me on this. Okay, so good. All right, I'm excited. We're going to come back to that, but I'm so pleased that we've got experts in the room um, or maybe people that have kind of waiting to be good stories about compost in the room. Awesome. So these three things of love and lament and letting go I um, had this experience a few weeks ago of conviction of the Holy Spirit. 
and this is, to be honest, actually not something that happens heaps to me, um, but it's like, I want to describe how, how this happens for me. I'm sure you guys have had these moments and maybe it looks different for you, but um, I had this moment and it, what it was like was a sense of God calling me by giving me one line that came to mind. It was a, a line of scripture and it totally interrupted what I was thinking about and what I was feeling at the time. And it was this kind of interruption that um, reminded me simultaneously that God is both powerful but also good. And it was there wasn't a sense of shame or judgment attached to it as if um, I needed to like earn my way back to God. But it was kind of this like like warning or reminder, like how maybe a parent would be like, you know, like remember you can't like put your hand on the kettle when it's boiling, like remember that, like this is this is important kind of thing. Um and yeah, it was actually quite a challenge for me to like describe like what is this feeling or what is this moment like? Um, and I was, really, I was really grateful for that little moment from God because I knew that it was from Jesus. Um, and so the line, I was, um, I was having a bit of a cry and I was um, yeah, having a pray. And the line from Jesus was um, from Luke, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. And I was just like, wow, this is so offensive, Jesus. This was so offensive when you said it at the time. Um, and it's offensive to me now. But I know this is who you say you are and who you say um, you call me to be as I follow you. And so this is my kind of unplanned third part of um, Dan's, Dan's sermon today, that um, Jesus calls us to radical love to the point of not just loving the people that we like, not just um, kind of doing the shallow or like the easy love, but calling us to love when things are really hard and calling us to love our neighbours, whether they're nice neighbours or not that nice neighbours. Um, and to the point of Jesus saying, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. And I've been reflecting on this for a few weeks because I'm like, man, Jesus, this is still so offensive. And a thought that came to me about a week ago and I want you guys to hold this um, as, as I share tonight, is what if Jesus calls us to love our enemies, not because it's good for our enemies, but it, because it's good for us? What if the call to do good to those who persecute us is not so much about what's going to be good for them, but because God so deeply cares about our inner world that God doesn't want to see our hearts um, and our interior, um, like, turn into bitterness and turn into hard-heartedness um, and to be, like, I guess the ground to be, like, snuffed out by hatred. And that, therefore, God says, you've got to love your enemies and you've got to pray for those who persecute you um, because God deeply, deeply cares about us and wants to, like, protect us from, um, I guess, like, it's almost like a way of giving power back of, like, you being being a people of love, and so yeah, I just I just want to bring that as we as we journey through um, this tonight, that um, God wants us to have um, this radical victory of love in any circumstance that Jesus wants to invite us into freedom and forgiveness, um, even in the midst of the hardest of circumstances, and promises to give us love and to dwell with us through the Holy Spirit, so that um, yeah we can have that true freedom. And so, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring the compost analogy now. So um, I was thinking about this this morning. I was sharing at Lyle Bay 
and that's where the kind of compost thought came to mind. In a compost, you need heat, and heat comes from the sun. And if you've got like a good kind of like surround on your compost, it like holds it in so the heat can be captured. And then you've got the just gacky stuff that you're throwing in the compost, like whatever it is, <laughs> those scraps that go in the compost. And that, I guess, is the stuff of life um, that we get to like put into the compost, um, like our hurts um, and our fears um, and our sins and all the, that stuff gets to go into this compost system where God's love comes as heat, where there's microbes, which is like, in my mind, like the work of the Holy Spirit, like really small, like you can't even see it, but there's like this little work that's going on to transform things. And then you also need an amount of moisture. You need lament and you need um, like, yeah, grief is a a part that God makes a way for us in that. That if you just had like, you've just got love, like it it wouldn't actually work. It would just be dry and it wouldn't actually break down. It needs the work of the Holy Spirit. It needs lament, and it needs that heat of God's love. And so, yeah, just going to read, um, read a little bit here about this. So, in the book of Matthew, um, someone asked Jesus, "What is the greatest commandment in the law, out of all of the law of Moses?" And he responds with ch- with two things one from Deuteronomy and one from Leviticus he says love the Lord your God with all your heart mind your soul and your strength this is the first and the greatest commandment and the second is this love your neighbor as yourself all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments so this is in Matthew 22 and he's quoting Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19 and um, I've been reading this book which is about the fruits of the spirit um, so who knows about the fruits of the Spirit? Great. What kind of fruit do we want to use in our metaphor tonight? Oh, persimmon. So good. Great fruit. Um, okay. So imagine I'm a persimmon tree. The fruit of the Spirit, the branches on the vine, Paul's using this metaphor, and the first fruit that he mentions is the persimmon, the fruit of love. That's the first one he mentions. And um, this book about the fruits of the Spirit, it like talks about each of the things he mentions. So he's saying... First up, it's not surprising really, Paul says like love is the first fruit of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit grows love within us um, by God's power. And that's because um, God is love. So in um, John's gospel and in John's letters, he repeatedly like riffs on this idea that God is love. Love is from God. God calls us to love God, to love our neighbor, to love our brothers and sisters, to dwell in love. Faith expresses itself through love, that we're called to serve one another humbly in love, that um, God isn't interested just in what we do, but in the nature of how we do it. Um, That really matters to God. And so this fruit of love is something that God actively is working to cultivate in our lives and to give to us as a good gift. And I'm really really grateful for that. I'm grateful that the world isn't just mechanical. I'm grateful that there's love in the world and there's laughter and there's friendship and that that um, that makes life good. Like, I don't know if you guys agree. Maybe you guys don't agree. Um, everybody's looking a little bit like, Ooh, what's going on tonight? But um, yeah, like love is such a good gift and it's so beautiful when um, like you have those moments of realizing like I deeply love this person or I deeply love this work or I deeply love this place like that's so holy that's so beautiful and I think 
those moments um, like are so important to be grateful for and to hold on to for the times when it's really hard um, and loving is really difficult. Um, and yeah, so love is this fruit um, that God grows in our lives and gives to us, um, yeah, from God's abundant measure. So when Paul is talking about this fruit of love, he's not just talking about sentimental feelings of being nice, but real practical proof that we love and we accept one another. And it happens in a down-to-earth, caring, providing, helping, encouraging, and supporting one another way, even um, when that costs or when it hurts a lot. So love is a thing that we experience in action and in words, and it dissolves division. Love brings together people who would otherwise hate, hurt, or even kill one another. So that, that's like the deep importance of love residing in our hearts um, that, yeah, that God wants to see. In John's Gospel, it's recorded that um, it's just like in the last bit before Jesus um, is taken to the cross, before he, um, I guess, surrenders himself to his enemies, um, before he undergoes extreme hatred and torture. Um, he says to his disciples just before that, he says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And then later on it says, My command is this, love one another as I have loved you. Five times in the first letter of John, so 1 John, he reminds the people that, um, that God's command is to love and goes into a bunch of detail about that. For this is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. If anyone has possession of material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but doesn't have pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. And so this call to love is really um, like so beautiful but so immense and so like not something we can, we can do on our own. Um, and so I, I want to turn now to this part about lament. And um, how I want to share that is um, through this beautiful little reading that um, we've been doing through this book called Here and Now by Henry Nguyen. Um, we've got a few Henry Nguyen books over in the library, and I know that a number of people have really enjoyed those. He, yeah, it's just someone that writes super beautifully. Um, so this is just a really brief little story um, from him. So it's entitled, The Hurts of Love. Animals are frequently given to us to teach us love and compassion. In truth, I have very little interest in pets, be they dogs, cats, or parrots. Although I often get very irritated when pets become the main subject of conversation among my friends. I must compare, oh wait, I got the tone of that wrong. Although I get very irritated when pets become the main subject <laughs> of conversation among my friends, I must confess that one of my most vivid memories from my youth is connected with a little goat given to, be my, given to me by my father to care for during the last year of the Second World War. The goat's name was Walter. I was 13 years old then, and we lived in a part of Holland that was isolated by the great rivers from the D-Day armies. People were dying from hunger. I loved my little goat. I spent hours collecting acorns for him, taking him on long walks, 
and playfully fighting with him, pushing him where his two horns were growing. I carried him in my arms and built a pen for him in the garage. I gave him a little wooden wagon to pull. As soon as I woke up in the morning, I fed him, and as soon as I returned from school, I fed him again, cleaned his pen, and talked to him about all sorts of things. Indeed, my goat, Walter, and I were the best of friends. One day, early in the morning, when I entered the garage, I found the pen empty. Walter had been stolen. I don't remember ever having cried so vehemently and so long. I sobbed and screamed from my grief. My father and mother hardly knew how to console me. It was the first time that I learned about love and loss. Years later, when the war was over and we had enough food again, my father told me that our gardener had taken Walter and fed him to his family who had nothing left to eat. My father knew it was the gardener, but he never confronted him, even though he saw my grief. I now realise that both Walter and my father taught me something about compassion. I think there's um, kind of like more going on there than what um, can really be explained, as often happens with the story. Um, but I just wanted to share some things that, um, like, I guess, like that really moved for me is um, just the idea that the father, like, saw his um, son's, like, grief and disorientation and, like, there was enough space for that um, and how so too like so too with God and how he'd kind of he didn't get answers at the time and I guess like that was the wisdom that he took that he didn't want to tell him at the time um and that I think too um God like gives us space to grieve and um does really like seek to comfort us even if we like can't fully experience it um so that was something that really really stood out to me from that um I'm kind of a bit lost on my pages here. Just a moment. And so, I, d I don't know for you guys what it looks like to um, take space to lament, but I know that God um, invites us expressly to do that. And I think that that's a really important thing. We see in Jesus that, he was a man of sorrows. He was a man that lamented and who, um, I guess, was this person, um, fully human, fully God, fully experienced the suffering of betrayal and of, um, yeah, all, like, all sorts of crazy stuff um, and took himself away um, to be with God and to be himself before God um, and cried and hung out with his friends and was loved and tended to by people that um, like met him and, and poured out love and care towards him and he received that even though other people were like oh you shouldn't be receiving that like what's that person doing perfume on your feet and he was like like no this person is honoring me and I am receiving their care like get away and so I want to just encourage us all that um, like life is really hard and we're made for love um, but we experience the opposite and so making space um, for our own emotion, um, making space for recognizing our own brokenness, going to counseling, 
working through your grief, sharing it with a friend, going for a run, going for a walk, sleeping, crying, listening to music, eating some nice food, going for a swim. Like these are, there's so, so many ways that we can engage and tend to and make space for, um, yeah, the unlove we experience. And I think God desperately wants to meet us in that, in our whole selves. And I know um, for me, um, I just, I think like everybody will be different and it will be cool um, like over time maybe to be sharing with one another like, oh, how does this work out for you? Like how do you make space for grief? Or how do you make space when you're like feeling really hateful towards someone? Like what happens for you in that space to like not have your heart go hard and, and like inter- enter into business? And I know for me, um, just like some things that I try and practice when I feel angry or judgmental or like I want to be bitter is that I know um, the headspace that that makes me in is where um, I forget that I too am imperfect. Um, And something that really helps me to remember um, is to make space when I'm like feeling really angry about like the way someone else has hurt me is um, to remember that like I'm someone that's also broken. Um, And that really, um, yeah, I think like bringing both the hurt I experience and the hurt that I recognize, like, you know, that kind of like entitled like injustice where you're like, ah, nee, 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 nee. and then you're like, oh, actually, I do shit things too, kind of thing. Um, and I remember Scotty um, sharing this. Um, I don't know if he shared it in a sermon or if he just spun it to me in a yarn, but he was talking about um, being at Zeal a number of years ago and then having supervision for his, his mahi there and someone had done something really that was just like, he was so kind of like about and um his supervisor was like how about you enter into like a thought experiment of like I wonder what was going on for that person that led them to do that thing that was so hurtful to you and so we kind of like made up a story about that person just as a way of like opening up the headspace of like man maybe there's more going on there for them than what I can recognize and even if he didn't get that answer or wouldn't know just being able to recognize like man there was probably a reason that that person was like cut me off on the motorway, you know, whatever. Like, I wonder what was going on for them, and them being able to like be like, ah, oh, that person actually like is the beloved of God, and themselves like is experiencing um, the hurt of this world too, and just kind of being able to like hold those different things together. And I think um, for some people um, that kind of thinking comes more naturally, but I hadn't I hadn't ever heard anyone kind of like explain like here's a way to do it, like create a narrative that like might not be true but might help you to like think about the situation or whatever and so yeah I think those things for me just remembering my own need uh, for God and the way that I like stuff up really helps me um, in those spaces to um, like let go of bitterness to like actually put things into the compost to be like I'm not just going to hold this myself and hold this gacky disgusting festering thing but I'm going to like put it into the compost and like let go of it and kind of like add my lament to it and invite God's love to it and like invite the Holy Spirit to be at work here Um, because the great news is that compost when those things happen turns into beautiful soil and then like good things can grow from that and I think that's the like immense restorative hope of um, the gospel good news that we're not just left with hate and we're not just left with shit experiences stacking up on each other, but that God can work a transforming things that 
the rotten vegetables can be turned into like fertile soil from which new life can grow and that there's actually like more is created from that and I um man I have seen that happen in people's lives and I deep deeply believe that that is like the power of God in the world but it doesn't um like it doesn't happen without God's love without the letting go of the the shitty scraps of food um without the Holy Spirit and without actually like lament um and so, yeah, tonight, um, I guess I want to offer that as this is good news for us, that God, um, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that God promises us the Holy Spirit to never leave or forsake us, that the Holy Spirit is here, is in our lives, that we can ask for the Holy Spirit's help, and that God invites us into community together. God doesn't say, go do it al- alone. God says, do it together, that there's space to do this together. And that God invites our whole selves, the hurt parts of us, the alive parts of us, um, and that there's space for the men. And so we're, that's good news for us, and that's good news, um, that's good news for the world, that's good news for other people. Um, yeah, there's, I remember as like a 14-year-old hearing someone um, talk, and they were like, don't get bitter, get better. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's that easy. But because <laughs> I was like, I'm 14. Um, but like, like, that's kind of true. It's like if you've got bitterness, you're just going to be left with bitterness unless like you embark on a process of like seeking healing for that. Um, and God so offers us a way for that um, and offers that to the whole world. And we get to share that, that good news. Yeah, so... Um, tonight what we're going to do is we're going to have um, a couple of songs that will be reflection songs. Um, I've bought um, a whole bunch of different rocks and shells and things here so that there's like a participatory aspect of this where um, some of the rocks are like real big and some of them are really small and some of them are light. And yeah, you can just come and pick one that stands out to you. And um, I guess like we gather around this table um, to like share in the life of God together. And um, some of our liturgy talks about how um, we get to come like honestly before God at this table. But I thought tonight, um, as we have this reflection time and we put these um, we put these things down on the table, um, when we actually break bed together, we will see like I guess the visual representation of the things where we're like longing for God's mercy, maybe in our own lives or in different relationships or situations that you're carrying. The longing for God. Um, Petra, would you just be able to check out that slide with the two prayers, please? Yeah, so these are two prayers um, that people in God's family have been sharing in together for like thousands of years. And um, this top one, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, is such a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful prayer. And um, I have this bracelet, which um, looks like it's made up of tiny cherry tomatoes. Um, and... Um, I went through a phase of like wearing it like every day and I would turn it in my hands and the yellow bead would be Lord have mercy and the red bead would be Christ have mercy. And it was just a way of me praying when I was like walking down the street or I'd be in a conversation with someone or whatever was happening. It was just this like tactile way of praying like Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. And so um, just wanted to offer that to you guys. This is like one of the simplest prayers in the book um, and can be just one to like, if you feel like you don't have words, um, like, people have found hope in these words um, to pray and to be able to come before God. Um, 
And the second one, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy upon me, a sinner. It's called the Jesus Prayer. Um, and that is just like such a simple but profound prayer um, as well that has like held people through time. So as you um, want to respond, um, yeah, you can come up and, you know, maybe like pray that prayer, pick a rock um, as you as you see fit. And yeah, we'll sing together and then do Eucharist at the end. But.